Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. I've often heard it said that two of the greatest hallmarks of a healthy church are one, men that are singing, and two, children that are in attendance, and and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. All right, if you would open your Bibles to Psalm 119, Psalm 119, and uh, we're going to be looking at verse 153, that's where we're going to start this morning, Psalm 119. Uh, beginning at verse 153. Now, you need to understand as you're making your way there, I was all prepared to uh, come this this morning and continue our look into the life of Elisha. And last week we burned some plows and and I was excited and ready because this week we were going to dig some ditches. Does that sound exciting? No, no, it doesn't. Didn't to me either, but, but that was the next portion of what I was going to look at. But uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, uh, around about Thursday evening, Friday night, Friday all through, all through the day, God began to kind of speak to, to me and to my spirit and kind of pointed me in a different direction. And so that's where uh, we are headed uh, this, this week. But have no fear. Come back next week and we'll dig some ditches. And it's a lot funner than I'm making it sound this morning. Um, Many of you are probably aware of what is occurring uh, down in uh, a little Kentucky town, uh, down at Asbury College University, a prayer meeting that started on Wednesday, uh, almost two weeks ago now, has has been continuing 24 hours a day, and I believe it's still it's still going this morning. Even though I, I guess that there are some uh, some ideas to kind of bring it to a close and just do it during the afternoons. Uh, that's something that I saw. I don't know how legitimate that is, but but uh, during that time, the students were leading, and it was just a wonderful time, and has been a wonderful time, and and through that uh, day after day after day there was a word that began to be thrown around, a word that began to be spoken over this, and that word is revival. And uh, many were saying, this is the revival that, that we have long prayed for. We are in the midst of revival. And I kept hearing that word, revival, 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 and, and began, to, began to question within myself, and it was kind of confirmed uh, as I studied this week, that for so many of us, we may have a hard, eye, hard time grasping just exactly what a revival is. Now, what has been going on down in Asbury College, and now it's, I guess, it's spread to other universities and college campuses across, uh, across the United States, and it's a wonderful uh, thing. 
but we look at that, and there have been some naysayers who've come in and say, no, this is just counterfeit. This is just pure emotionalism. This is just all the goosebumps, you know, when you hear your, you hear your favorite song, and that's all that it is. And, and, and I haven't watched a lot of it, but what I've heard and what I've seen, I would kind of refute that a little bit because there are people who are standing up publicly confessing their sins. There are people who are um, being delivered in, in magnificent ways. Uh, but uh, truthfully, revival is something that the church has prayed for and we desperately need in our world and in our life because the truth of the matter is we have been infected. The church has been infected. The church of Jesus Christ, unfortunately, has been infected with a two-headed virus. Now, I'm not talking about COVID-19. Many of you remember just a couple of years ago, it was unprecedented that churches all across our nation shut down completely and pastors were left scrambling as to how to get the word out to their folks. Uh, this virus, if you will, is two-headed, and it comes in the form of complacency and apathy. And they have infected the church. And you may ask yourself, well, what is complacency and what is apathy? Well, the easiest way that I can tell you is complacency and apathy is an attitude I don't know and I don't care. And that is the attitude that intentionally, unintentionally, someone else could be the judge of that, that has pervaded our churches. We have gotten to the point, <clears throat> and, and this is alarming to me, and I don't know why it's not alarming to far more folks uh, than it is. We have gotten to the point to where churches close on a regular basis, and I don't mean for a week or a month, permanently close, shutter their doors, the building is for sale, and it's as if nothing has happened. And it says, it's almost as if a shoulder shrug. Well, well, you know, that's the way it is. Dealing with one particular church that, that just recently closed its door, I heard the words, well, it's okay, because the people who went there didn't live in the town anyway. What? <laughs> You ever heard of laying hands for prayer? I wanted to lay hands, but not in a prayerful... What? I mean, and how is it that we've gotten so used to it, and we've gotten used to it? And churches, and I've gone many places, I've been privileged, and I've been blessed, and I've heard the same uh, kind of thing over and over and over again. You know, our church, back in the heyday, we used to... We used to run triple digits, 200, 300. I was a part of a church that we ran 300 people for a short time. And now many of those same churches, they, they report we struggle to make 40 or 50. And what has happened? And many folks will, will immediately say, well, it's the culture. It's the culture. It's the culture. The culture is dragging so many people away from the church. And there is, a, there is a nugget of truth in that. But then again, I want to remark back and I want to push back and say, what well, did not Jesus say that upon the confession of Peter that he will build his church and that even the gates of hell will not prevail against it? And if the gates of hell can't prevail against it, surely the culture cannot prevail against it. And we use, uh, unfortunately, 
uh, we use the idea that the culture of the culture as an excuse to, to keep it at arm's length at times. But we need revival. The church desperately needs revival. In Psalm 119, uh, beginning at verse 153. And as was mentioned this morning, I forgot my glasses. <laughs> and uh, I just turned 49 a couple of days ago. And um, this is going to be fun. But not in a good way. So I'm hoping my memorization works. Uh, because I can't see nothing. <laughs> Stand with me, please. I don't know why, but the image of Mr. Magoo just flashed in my head. Many, <laughs> many of you young folks don't know who that is, and, and you're worse off for it. Okay. Psalm 119, verse 153. David writes, Look at my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your, uh, seek your statutes. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you that your desire is revival for your church. And I pray today that, that we, as individuals and as a congregation, not just here, but, but across this district, across this nation, that we would be empty vessels waiting for you to fill us to overflowing with your spirit and your presence in these days. Lord, we understand that wickedness grows stronger and darker each and every day, but we are, we are comforted with the reality that you, you are above all of that, and you are stronger, and in the end, you win. We thank you for that promise, and we pray, Father, that you would help us, that you would help us prepare our hearts for what you would want to do in us and through us and among us, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, throughout Psalm 119, David, David calls on God for revival. He calls and pleads for God to revive him. And as we look at this psalm and this little portion that we read this morning, we will discover that there is a promise of revival, that, that, that there's a path and a pattern uh, to revival, for I am convinced, and I'm, and I have it on the authority of God's word that He longs to pour out His revival in us. He is not like some stingy uh, father withholding goodness from us. He longs to revive His church. He longs to to pour out uh, His Spirit in such a way as what we would classify in many ways as the good old days. Those days would be ahead of us and not behind us. Throughout Psalm 119, David calls on God for revival. Now, in, in, throughout the psalm, David uses 
this wonderful Hebrew word, kaya, kaya. Now, I know what some of you were thinking. When you woke up this morning, you were just hoping that you would come to church and learn Hebrew. And uh, you're welcome. Uh, I, love, I love Hebrew. I love Greek more. Hebrew is very difficult for me. Uh, but David uses this word, kaya, which means to, to live, to revive, to, to keep alive, to give life to, to quicken, to recover, to repair, to restore, and to be whole. And truth be told, that is what our churches need today, to be made alive, to be revived, to, to give, to be quickened, to recover, to repair, to restore, to be made whole. And as we look at this psalm and the verses that that we looked at this morning, we will see this term and we will discover that there is a promise of revival. In, in verse 25, we didn't read this verse, but listen to what the scripture says. It says, David writes, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Revive me, David says. Make me to live. Give me vigor and strength to break away from all of this which binds me according to your word. Real, true, authentic revival is and has always been centered in the word of God. These friends are not just merely words on a page. This is God's very breath on the page. In fact, the Bible, the scriptures themselves declare that the word of God is living and active. Revive me. Make me to live. Give me vigor and strength to break away from that which binds me. According to your word, either in accordance with the promises that you have made to your people to come to them when they are in times of distress. You see, God wants and desires to revive his people. Oswald Smith in his book, The Endowment of Power, uh, encourages us that revival is a definite promise of God just waiting to be laid out, laid a hold of. He, he says and writes, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now we are still living in the last days. Pentecost, that wonderful day of Pentecost, was the birthday of the church. But it remains for you and I to see the final and complete fulfillment of the promises of God. And let me again remind you that this is still the time when the Holy Spirit is active. Jesus himself said, I am going away, and it's for your good that I go away, because when I go away, I will send the helper, I will send the comforter, I will send the paraclete to you. You and I have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit not only with us, but if we are Christ, if we have given ourselves to him, if we have called on him as Lord and Savior in repentance and confession, we are vessels for the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a song, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave, think about it, resides in you and I this morning. 
You see, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the greatest need in this hour for the church. It's not good preaching, but Holy Ghost preaching. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, the scripture says. This, friends, is the greatest need of the hour. It is for God to once again pour out his presence, his spirit upon us. And not in a way that, that sometimes it's made to look like, but when God truly pours out his presence and his spirit, it is unmistakable. I asked this question, it's been a little bit ago, but I've asked this question before, and I'm going to ask it again this morning in a series of questions. When was the last time that you were truly gripped by the presence of God? When was the last time that God showed up so amazing in a church service through his Holy Spirit that you went away without a shadow of a doubt knowing that you had an opportunity to meet with God. And, and as I've said before, and it has nothing to do with the person upon the platform. You see, down in Asbury College, this wonderful student-led uh, revival, wonderful awakening, some have called it, and, and it's just going day after day, and people have begun to travel uh, to the college to be a part of that. And I've read so many testimonies of those who have, have traveled down there. And there have been some big-name Christian folks who have gone there. Folks like uh, con contemporary Christian artist Carrie Job, maybe you recognize that name. She went and was a part of it. But what is amazing to me and almost gives credence to the reality that this is genuine, is that there have been some big-name Christian speakers, and I'll put that in air quotes, who uh, contacted the college and said, oh, I want to be a part of this. Come let me speak. I can speak, and we can, and we can take this uh, throughout the entire nation. And the college respectfully said no. They said no. This is not, this is not an opportunity to... Uh, for you to advance yourself. This is a work of God. When was the last time? When was the last time you were ever in a church service and you went away knowing, man, that was something. Let me ask you this, and I've been in a few of these. I've been actually the speaker in a couple of these. When was the last time you were in a church service that, that the pastor, unknowing what God was about to do, asked for testimonies, and the testimonies were so much and so, so numerous that the pastor didn't get to speak. I've been in that. They're amazing. I've, I've had the privilege of sitting on, a, sitting on a pew up on the platform just hearing person after person testify of the goodness of God. Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, <clears throat> The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, 
I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He promises revival to those who earnestly seek it. I come back to this passage over and over and over again. Jeremiah chapter 33 it says that, that, that call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Many of you know Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name. Let's pause there for just a second. When it comes to revival, revival is not for the unsaved. <clears throat> The mission of the church as Jesus stood right before he ascended into heaven and he gave the, what we know as the Great Commission. That is the mission of the church, to go out into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. But when it comes to revival, revival is not for those outside of the ark of safety. Revival is for the church. And here in 2 Chronicles it says, if my people who are called by my name, the church... The church, not those who are outside, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then listen for, to the promise of God. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Revival is needed. The enemy is growing stronger day by day. If you don't believe that, if you happen to watch a pretty famous football game uh, that was on last week in the midst of the halftime entertainment, I don't know if you caught it, but there was a lot of, uh, a lot of demonic and satanic symbolism that was thrown up. And it doesn't matter if you like the singer or not, it really doesn't matter, but, but there were, but there were some tremendous symbolism that was thrown up there. And, and not too long before that, at the at the Grammy Awards, Sam Smith. <laughs> How about, I didn't watch it, but I saw a video posted afterward. I about come completely out of my skin. The man, well, he doesn't like to be identified as a man. He's a them. He's something. Anyway, I'll get myself in trouble. This song that he sings entitled Unholy, dressed as the dressed as the devil and, and, and had folks bowing down and worshiping him. This is what is being fed to our children. This is what's being fed to, uh, to those who are the youngest among us. And I know what some will, some will push back, oh, it's just music. It, it doesn't mean anything. Um, do you realize that as human beings, the more that you allow into the gates of your mind, the more that it affects who you are? Our culture is becoming more and more wicked. And the church of Jesus Christ, our time is now. This is not the time for the church and for individual Christians to shrink back in fear. Jesus himself said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We have gotten to the point that we have been afraid of conflict. 
We've been afraid to stand up for what we believe because the culture and the society will label us as bigots and intolerant. Well, the reality is, is that, that you can say all day long that you don't believe in God, and I'm going to tell you that's going to be an awesome icebreaker when you see him face to face. Our culture is coming, becoming darker and darker, and the viruses of complacency and apathy are infecting the church and causing us to be all but ineffective in our world. But let me encourage you, God is standing at the very precipice of heaven to do on a much larger scale as what's happening in a small Kentucky town. He wants that for all of us, for all of his churches, so that this would not be a time when the church would sink back, but this would be a time when the church would grow and begin uh, to be all that God has called and de declared it to be. This would be a time when, when it becomes darker and darker and darker for the church and the people who are call themselves Christians to shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter, just like that old Sunday school song. This little light of mine. Well, the question is, church, the entire church, are we truly going to let it shine? For you see, in my humble opinion, it seems like we have hid it under the bushel for far too long. It's time to let it shine. The truth is, is that we are in a war. And it's, and it's a war that already has the end predicted and established. God wins. In the end, each and every one of us will stand before him. Um, but in the meantime, we need God to revive us. And the only way that God is going to revive us truly is when we are truly ready for him to revive us. And that is going to take, uh, uh, take the form of what I call the old prophetic preaching. You can look at the prophets of the Old Testament and many of their messages and you can, you can boil it down to just a couple of phrases as they stood before the people. Good morning. Repent. Let's pray. The church needs repentance. If we truly want revival to come, it's going to come as we humble our hearts, get out of our own way, and truly, truly seek his face. So many folks have tried to, tried to uh, define revival. And I came across this some time ago, and I don't know who wrote it, but I like it, and I agree with it. You know what revival is, truthfully? Revival is when the church gets saved. Revival is when the church gets saved. So as we, as we think about it, we're praying for those folks, and, and we, I'm praying that that thing just, just, and it's already begun to spread, that it would spread to all of our churches. Send a revival, Lord, and begin it in my heart. Humble me, and watch what, and if you truly pray that prayer and mean it, it'll be amazing what God will do do. Revival. We need it. God, 
God desires it and promises that for us. David cried out for it. Are we going to be uh, content with the way things are? Or are we wanting to be what God declares us to be? Revival. Um, it's what we need. It's what's going to take, what it's going to take for not one more church to shut down. It's what it's going to take for for God's people to really push back on what's being put before us on a daily basis. It's going to it's what it's going to take for us to accomplish, for the church to accomplish the mission that God has for us. It's going to take for us to be revived once again. Revive us again. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.